WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Sunday morning, which could also be a three-day weekend for you, perhaps, as well. So it might be time to go out and do a little bit of preventative maintenance to your vehicle, take care of it a little bit. Uh, You know, if you believe the Farmer's Almanac, we're going to have a horrendous winter uh, with, uh, you know, all kinds of nasty weather coming. Who knows? Farmer's Almanac is probably as good as any other source to find out what the weather is. Um, but we will uh, we will figure that all out as we're going along. Uh, Jesse has the day off. He's camping with his kids, I think. But right now, I want to talk to Loxley Brown. He is the founder and CEO of um, Athena Racing. Loxley, good morning, and welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John. It's so great to be back again because our club has evolved and advanced in so many ways since we talked. I think probably three or four years ago. It's been it's been a few years, absolutely. I think uh, you know things yeah. were just starting to get rolling. Before we get into the club itself, let's talk a little bit about you. How did where where did this kind of passion come from with you? Um, it, it all hinges upon my high school guidance counselor looking at me in the mid-80s, knowing that I was, you know, quite the adventurer. I'd done, you know, everything I could through 4-H and Girl Scouts and just really, in, you know, at that point, at 16, I was managing a 200-acre farm with 20 horses on it. And she wow. looks at me and says, um, you, can, you should be a secretary, a nurse, or a teacher. And I looked at her and said, have you met me yet? At 16, I'm doing all this. I've done all this. And that's what you're telling me I should do for the rest of my life? So, well, um, the, the, that, the, the teacher it. part, the teacher part I kind of like. But, the, you know, the, yeah. the, the, you know, if you can, if you can, uh, if you can work with um, 200 horses, you could probably work with 30 kids. But it's probably it might be it might be a pretty even match, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call me the horse whisperer and the teenage whisperer. So <laughs> there you go, and so and and then and then it you, it sort of developed from there. You you kind of um, as I as I recall, you, you're sort of a designer at heart as well, right? Absolutely, I have done designs everything from um, architecture and interiors to product design to landscape to um, actually interiors of boats too. So. Give me anything that needs to be designed, and I go absolutely crazy with it. Oh, yeah, I've also done fashion design, too. I forgot about that one. So I'm just a designer at heart. <laughs> well, it's And the one great thing is, you know, sharing with the girls, like, you can have this one passion and one build, and it can grow into so many others, too. Yeah, that, that, I, think is, that I think is something that is, that is so kind of critical when you think about trying to put all of this together. Um, tell us about tell us about Athena Racing and and the and the club itself. Okay, so a little bit of history for those who don't know about us yet, because we are kind of like one of those kind of halo clubs that once parents find out about it, they go, "Oh my gosh, I wish my girls would have been in this forever." Um, but we started four years ago. I came up with this idea um, in April of 2019, and I had it into the second largest school district in California 
for the 2019-2020 school year. And we all know what happened three months later. And in California, it was a very strict lockdown. And I had just started this nonprofit STEM club. And I just kind of had one of those, you know, intense talks with myself and said, do I want to stop this now? Or do I want to build a community for all of these little girls across the United States to come together at what's going to be possibly one of the most difficult times in their young childhood? And so, I, you know, at that point, all of the donors were pulling their money. Everything was focused strictly on me doing this by myself with my mm. tenacious gumption that I have. And I immediately pivoted in March and took everything 100% online, and we grew the club nationally. At that point in time when everybody's saying, oh, you know, start off at a really small, you know, get your local roots and then grow from there. And I had to do the exact opposite because COVID put the biggest hurdle in front of me that I've ever faced in my adult life. And I think we have done an incredible job of growing and evolving since then. So, you know, from those gray clouds, you can always find the silver lining. Well, it certainly sounds like it. Uh, and give us give us some particulars about the club. You know, tell us tell us about the club. Tell us about Athena Racing. What what's it all about? Okay. So this is a STEM club for girls only because we really want to focus on building their confidence and really showing them the essential skills needed to be a professional because you know young women now are expected to be out there in the workforce, but they don't always have that support they need as a young girl to learn what it takes to get there. And so we started this off you know, with the idea of, you know, as a designer, I need to know how a car is built or how a building is built. I need to know the foundational structure of everything so that I can design properly. And so this club is really, you know, I started it off with us having go-karts and really teaching the girls, you know, all the principles of driving based on go-karts so that they could then, if they wanted to be engineers, they'd understand it better. If they wanted to be designers or if they wanted to be graphic artists, you know, there's so many things that it takes to create this team that's going to build our race cars or our rockets. And where now we have expanded to include all forms of transportation. We started off with racing because that's where innovation really starts in the automotive world. But we now go from race cars to rockets everything on land, sea, and air, and we do different focuses. So, you know, we have monthly challenges. This month's challenge is writing the Mission to Mars Space Diary. And so our month we've been dropping special assignments for them and writing prompts, but we have incredible speakers to give them insights to help them learn and to really learn how to write. And so we have New York Times bestseller, Gar Stein, who wrote The Art of Racing in the Rain, he kicked it all off, and he is such an incredible writer and such a fun person to learn from, just the way that he gives his insights and shares with the girls. And then we also had um, Kristen Shaw, who's an automotive journalist. We had, um, let's see, Katie Lechner, who does online research for Google mm-hmm. and Walmart. She leads the team. And then we finished it off with a rocket engineer, Adam Lakeman, who is such a fun guy to learn from for the rocket side of things. Because, you know, here I am interviewing these four adults who are, you know, industry leaders. And I'm the one asking, you know, what you would say is the dumb question. But I'm always thinking, like, what do you do? You know, how, do, you take, do you take a suitcase with you to space if you're going to be flying to Mars? And, you know, we're going to do this in 
a month versus right now it takes nine months to get to Mars. And so all of these things that you would have to think about us doing 20 years from now, I've put all of these into writing prompts so the girls can really focus on 20 years from now when I'm going to be in my 40s, I'm going to be at this management level or executive level, I'm going to be leading the team. I need to have thought about you know, the possible paths that we could be going down. And so that's what I'm getting them to do right now is to envision their life 20 years from now and all of the things they're going to need to learn or, you know, just let their imagination go wild so that they really, really can just grow from that. And then from, you know, these space diaries that they write, we're going to condense them all into one book so that the girls have a printed copy of their short story to show to colleges and to, you know, different employers because that's going to show both you know, their imagination and what they're thinking of for the future. So that really helps to build out their portfolio because right now it's so competitive for our teenagers who are wanting to get into, you know, the best universities or get into trade schools or to get those great, you know, beginner jobs. And they really need things that help them stand apart from their peers so that either the admissions officer at the college or the person who's going to be employing them for an internship or job looks at them and goes, I like the imagination of this kid. Mm. I love the way that she wrote. She, you know, this might not fit exactly in with the job, but it gives me an idea of all of her capabilities. So, you know, that's one of our monthly challenges. And then we have some really fun competitions that we do too. Um, We've really changed the structure of the club since we last talked. So we have... You know, the monthly challenges, we have quarterly competitions, and then we have summer camps. So this is a year-round program for the girls to be involved with, and it's self-paced because it's online. So, you know, they can do, right now, bands might be their focus because of, you know, football season. And, you know, first robotics might be something that they're focusing on because I know that's a three-month program. So they can do this when it fits into their schedule. They don't have to be panicked about Oh, I've got to have this done by this Saturday, Mom. What can I do? I'm freaking out. So I don't want to mm. add that extra pressure to them, but I want to give them these portfolio pieces that really make them stand out. How much do the girls get to interact with each other? Um, do they? Do they? Um, are they all sort of working alone? And and why I kind of ask the question is, um, you know, just looking at you know whether it's a you know, high school vocational program, whether it's a plumber, an electrician, or automotive technology, I always try to remind the kids that um, the relationships you build up in school, you know, as you grow older, they can become resources as well. And do the do the do the girls get to kind of get to know each other? Yeah. So we have the online clubhouse, mm-hmm. which is like a junior version of LinkedIn. Okay. So that gives them the chance to connect there. And then we have our monthly meeting that we do online, live, so that they can mm-hmm. also see each other there. Um, with the competitions that we do, or um, the Girls at Track event that we just did with DHL and Andretti and Jamie Chadwick, they apply to be one of our representatives, and then they go and they all hang out together in person at these events that we create. And the cool thing about it is, you know, some of them have already met each other. Most of them have not. But when Mm. they come together, it's like they've been best friends forever because here they have this community of like-minded girls. There's no mean girls in this club. 
<laughs> They're all the ones who want to be the designers and the engineers. They're very supportive of each other. Good. And, you know, we have, we have our pledge. We have our manifesto. They know the direction and the focus that I have put out there for them. And those who don't fit into that, who want to be the mean girls, they don't stay very long. Mm. So, you know, the great thing is here you've got this great group of teenage girls your same age who are going after the same thing, and it gives them that great support net. And they know that this is basically, you know, a sorority that they're going to be growing up through that's related to science, technology, research, engineering, arts, and math. And I talk to them all the time about how networking now at a young age and building out their support network is going to make them so much stronger as they grow through their career over the next couple of decades. So they really love being around each other and working together. Yeah, and and it really is pretty amazing when you talk to people and see how they grow and develop. I mean, we had a couple of weeks ago, we had the CEO on of a company called Cooler Technologies. And, you know, I, when he was in college, he was developing a program just to kind of, you know, keep your laptop battery from getting too hot. And since then, he's developed one of the products that they've developed is a is a, a battery containment system for lithium batteries just in case something should happen. And I said, oh, by the way, where is your product being used today? And I expected to hear something like Mercedes, you know, Lexus or something. And he said, well, it's it's on the Mars rover. And I was like, did any point, you know, did it wow. at any point in college, did you ever think that something you developed would be, you know, you know, intergalactic? And he was sort of like, no, not really. But it's interesting the way life changes. And, you know, a few months back, um, we, we had a, a young woman on the program from Florida and she rebuilds uh, Endelbrock carburetors. Uh, she calls it it's Riley's mm-hmm. Rebuilds. And I said to her, you know, I think she's, uh, this is her first year of college now. And I said to her, how did you get into I mean, this is kind of a very non-traditional thing for, a, you know, a high school kid. And she said, um, well, you know, when I became working age and I wanted to, I wanted to buy a Jeep, that was my dream to buy a Jeep. And I went to work at the local supermarket for Florida, I think minimum wage is 7 or $8 an hour. It's a lot lower than mm-hmm. other parts of the country. And she said, and my father said, or you can try to do this. And they came up with this concept that she would rebuild carburetors, and her and three of her friends kind of took over her dad's uh, two-car garage in Florida, and they started rebuilding carburetors. And they do, and they do something like 100 of them a week now. A crazy oh, number. Yeah. yeah, crazy number. And the <laughs> idea that, you know, here's here's something that's, you know, a little bit different. And part of it had to do with, you know, her dad's love of vehicles, but also part of it had to do with the direction she got from people around her that said, you can do something different. And, and yeah. you might and make money at it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because so many people are in this little bubble, and most people never go outside of, you know, a 20-mile radius of where they're born. So, you know, to have a club like this, and, you know, our focus is showing the girls all of the different careers that are available. And you need to have that time where you go, okay, I really love doing this, or I don't like doing that at all. I never want to do that again. But until you try it, you don't know. And until you get outside of that little bubble, you don't start to understand that as an engineer, you know, you might want to be the one who helps save Mother Earth. So you can go work as an engineer in something automotive related that is going to help 
you know, change the way the product is made and make, make it better for, you know, sustainable, recyclable use versus, you know, some of the stuff we have on the market right now. So it's like you have to know that there's just this plethora of different things available to you. And, you know, I'm trying to break through those barriers of the old mindset from, you mm. know, the 50s madmen who go, oh, well, a girl can't do that. I mean, I actually had someone in their 50s look at me the other day and say, women can't be engineers. And I'm like, really? are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that, people are still saying that right now? Like, what are you thinking? So, you well, know, yeah, it, yeah, population is female. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of, yeah, even even the STEM part of it. I remember this, and this was probably 10 years ago. Uh, a friend of mine was a very, very competitive uh, BMW club racer. And he mm -hmm. said to me, he said to me, oh, we're, um, I'm going to high school tomorrow to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, where you could go after high school. And he said, I'm bringing my race car with me. He said, you want to, you want to, yeah. you know, be my pit crew. And, you know, he pulled in with his race trailer and the, you know, the, I think the head of the school was like, what, what's this all about? And he said, this is the heart of STEM. And, and, you know, this is where, <laughs> this is where you, you, you start to look at it and how it how it makes everything work together. And now we've kind of gone from STEM to STEAM. We've added art in the middle of this too, right? Yeah. So I've added the R to it, and others have too, so we now call it STREAM, although stream, people don't oh. understand that yet. So, yeah, so science, technology, research, engineering, arts, and math. And when you bring those six together, that really builds out the team. And that's what our club is really focused on is all of the team members that it takes to create our next big transportation push into the future, whether it's on land, sea, or air. Like, and they're all starting to get to the point now where you can get an aerospace degree, and you might be working with you know, a submarine company later on. Like you really, right now, things are evolving so rapidly. I mean, the iPhone has only been around for less than 15 years, and we all forget that because we're so accustomed to having our second brain in our hands. But yeah. you know, when Neil Armstrong was a teenager back in the 30s and 40s, he never, the word astronaut was never used. We didn't even know that it was career path. Mm. And then what do you know, in the 50s, the space program gets developed, and he ends up being one of the first astronauts to go out into space. Okay, that didn't exist when he was a teenager. So you have to think about what, how the world's going to evolve now and all of the different types of jobs, especially with tech and transportation, changing as rapidly as it is right now. You know, what are our girls going to need skills-wise to prepare themselves for a job that we don't even know exists yet? Yeah, so it's it, it is yeah. No, it is it's really system. interesting, and it's it's kind of funny. I was talking to a coworker of mine, and he's a he's a um, technical trainer. And um, mm -hmm. we were talking about different things. And, and I said, you know, kind of at the heart of it, when we look at things, we're mechanics still. And our job is to yeah. fix broken things. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, but, you know, I'm, you know, I think he has some sort of engineering degree or something. And, and I said, you know, we look at these things and we look at what doesn't work. And what doesn't work might not be mechanical. It might just be the, it might just be the process and I said, in our mind, yeah. we look at it a little bit differently than maybe somebody else who looks at it because we're used to fixing broken stuff. And I think the idea of putting 
um, these girls together in a group in that sort of engineering mindset where they look at something and they go, huh, I think we can do better. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's been kind of funny because I get pushback from some people going, oh, well, you're online. And I look at them and go, do you realize that 20 years from now, the way that we work is going to evolve and I'm having to train the girls to be ready for that. So, you know, we do you know, just like, you know, post COVID, we have a lot of people who work in a hybrid situation, and that really is the, the way of the future because we want that balance. Everybody doesn't want to be sitting in traffic for two hours commuting to an office. So, you know, right now I'm really focusing on teaching the girls how to communicate virtually. Who knows? They might be communicating with their peers out in Mars. <laughs> and they're going to need to know how to have that, that great communication. So. They could be in that in that part of it, that communication and the drive and, you know, and, and yeah. you know, part of it, part of it still is, you know, having that right attitude. And, you know, what do they, what do they say? You know, 90 percent of job success is just showing up sometimes. And the idea that exactly. you can the idea that you can get there with a good attitude and be able to kind of think of creative ways to do things, I think is, is, is so important. If people want to find out more mm -hmm. information about your program, the, the camps, the different programs, maybe there's somebody that they think would be perfect to join your program or become a sponsor for that matter. Where do people go? Yeah. Clubathena.org. And we have everything on there. It's a really fun website to look through and see because we have our past Fab camp built that we've done. So, you know, our first year in 2020, when we're in the middle of COVID lockdown, we, a small team of us, built a drifting trike from scraps at the shop. And then the second year, we entered an international pitch competition and built a robotic assistant to follow us around the shop. Uh, last year, we turned a BMW 318 into a driving simulator. So we completely gutted it, took out the engine, the transmission, everything and now have a car that the girls can sit in, even the 12-year-olds can sit down in the, and learn how to drive without the stress of being on the road. And then this past summer, we did the individual project of all of the girls taking their regular bicycle and turning it into an e-bike. And let me tell you, that is going to blow the minds of anybody who wants to hire them as you know starter employees or for them to get into college, for them to show this whole portfolio project of an actual e-bike that they have mm. built themselves. That's mind blowing. So, you know, those are the fabrication things that we do in the summertime because our program's year round. So these girls can you know, join us at any point and we are definitely in the membership drive right now for the new school year because we go by the school year. Mm -hmm. um, so this is the time for those little girls who are the kinesthetic learners that everybody looks at them and goes, Oh, you have ADHD, which I think there are too many girls being mislabeled that. The kinesthetic learners are the 5% who are the hands-on, learn how to do it. They want to stay busy. They want to figure it out with that engineering mindset. And so those are the little needles in the haystack that I'm trying to find because within our club, they really start to grow and learn and expand, and they have that confidence. So when they go back in the classroom and the teacher's looking at them like, you don't fit into our, you're not the square peg that fits into the hole. They can then have that confidence to focus on the classroom, but then go home and have fun in our club. So, well, I think, I, yeah, I yeah. think if you look through history, whatever it is, the, uh, 
the square peg that wouldn't fit in the round hole have, has been some of the most successful people in the world. So, You know, there's that saying that the world is run by the um, C grade, the C students, and I, those are the girls who really expand in our club are the ones who are labeled the C students and, oh, you're not going to make it anywhere. They're the ones who are really, really leading the world. So mm. I'm looking for those girls. I want them in our club because they're the ones who are going to help change things and build things and take us into the future. Well, it sounds phenomenal, and you're giving people a chance. Um, you're giving you're giving these girls a chance to do something that they probably never would. The idea that they can do it kind of from yeah. the comfort of their home, but also be able to build that relationship with some of the other girls there, as well as as well as you and you know some of the guest speakers you've had and some of the other folks you've had mm-hmm. is is pretty phenomenal stuff. And and like you said, this this is the kind of cognitive thinking that takes place that allows you know these kids to excel and uh, thank you for doing it yeah hey i have one big announcement can i make it on your show absolutely so our fall competition and this is the first year that we're doing the competition so the competitions last for three months the first one's focusing on land then we're going to do sea and air the following two quarters we are going to be at road atlanta this week with gradient racing's Sheena Monk and Catherine Legg, and we are building this whole competition around the gradient racing team and what Sheena and Catherine do out there on the track. And we're really going to show the girls how many people it takes to bring this team together. The cool thing about it is we're going to interview 12 different team members. They're going to spend the next three months listening to their interviews, doing projects, doing some research. The top 10 points winners in this competition of our membership will be invited to the season opener in Daytona in January. So as they follow along with all of the interviews that we do with the team members and they earn their points, those who have really excelled are going to get to meet those people in person in Daytona next year. So that is our big competition that we are launching right now. And we're going to spend the next week at the track with the team like just really diving into what it takes to be a member of a race team. Well, that that sounds fantastic. And maybe you'll save me a seat in Daytona. I will save you a seat, John. Absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, Loxley, thank you for taking some time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor Program. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. <laughs> we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Our school communities thrive when they address students, families, and educators' well-being. That's why the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education offers schools and districts the tools to meet these needs through our Office of Student and Family Supports. Caring for each other, growing together, back to school, better. Visit doe.mass.edu slash growing together. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Won't you step into the light? 
Hi, I'm Dan Chauvin. Step into the light and tune into Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program at 95.9 WATD. Here's something that's probably going to scare you a little bit. Um, It's deer season, sort of. This is when you see deer kind of crisscrossing back and forth on the roadways. And vehicle repairs related to deer strikes have jumped more than 50% in the past um, in the past five years. So the cost of repairing your car if you hit a deer uh, has gone up 50%. That's a lot. And the idea, you know, so this is, this is we, right around this time of year at work, we usually put out a news release watching out for, for deer because um, kind of right in that kind of Bristol County area down there is, I think, the highest number of deer strikes in the state, more than you would think out in the western part of Mass, but because of the congestion and, you know, 95 and I-95 and 195, that area, um, and deer tend to crisscross back in from morning and at dusk. So uh, just be careful when you're out driving around. The amount of damage that, besides, you know, possibly to you, um, there's a lot of damage a deer can do. So uh, be a little bit careful when you go out. Um, I just happened to see that headline, to how much that cost has gone up. But I guess maybe that falls into the cost of everything. That has gone. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. 781-837 is how you get want to talk to us about your car, maybe some car problems you have, something along those lines. Happy to talk to you and see what's uh, see what's see what's going on. Uh, figure out figure out a little bit of everything. I think sometimes um, wrote a column for. Uh, well, it, my columns run all over the place, and and a lot of times the questions are generated by questions I get on this program. So when people call in, sometimes I'll kind of remember what the question. And one of the columns is in is on Boston.com right now, as well as uh, the Boston Globe online. Not the paper version, but the Boston Globe online, uh, their digital part. Uh, so kind of a kind of a cheat you click on it and it goes back to Boston Dom but either way uh, but somebody wrote in and they said my wife is pursuing a new car purchase and is interested in electric vehicles and um, they want to they want to know uh, they drive about a hundred miles a day three days a week so like Loxley pointed out they're on sort of a hybrid work day it sounds like uh, she tends to keep a vehicle for 10 years she's concerned about the initial costs battery running distance between charges battery life itself um, her husband says, I'm a gas guy all the way, so my opinion is a bit biased. What are your thoughts? And I think electric cars are great, but they're not for everyone. Uh, most new electric cars today really have at least a 200-mile range. You don't see too many with less than that. Uh, most are closer to 50, 300. If you have a whole bunch of money to spend, you can buy a Lucid that's closer to 500. Um, it's interesting. I saw um, a Hummer EV. So the GM Hummer EV truck, I haven't seen one before in real life. Uh, our friend Zane Merver, uh, they have one as a uh, Zane, Zane and Josh Merver who run the GM hyphen trucks website have one as sort of their shop truck and they're selling their 
former Chevy Silverado truck. If you're looking for a really nice Silverado pickup that's a couple years old with a lot of added features, um, it's probably on there. But anyway, um, I hadn't seen a Hummer, and it's a pretty formidable-looking vehicle. And then, within the same five minutes, I saw the new Cadillac Lyric, which is sort of a mid-size SUV, low to the ground, fairly low to the ground, fairly wide. I, and I hadn't seen one before, and I'm not sure that they were even quite for sale yet. But it was sort of sort of interesting to see both of those electric vehicles. And they both have really big batteries. And the idea of an electric car that you can, you know, I think most people that have electric cars will put home charging stations in. I was talking to my old boss. He has a Tesla Model 3. He ended up putting a charging station. And he also put solar panels on his roof. He said his electricity is not very expensive. At the, uh, Massachusetts has, I think, the third highest electric in the country. So you're going to be paying more to charge up your car in Massachusetts and other places. But you can typically, you know, charge with 240 volts, wake up every morning with a fully charged up vehicle, which is kind of nice. Um, level three charging, you know, you can, you know, you can recharge pretty much in 30 minutes. But two things, not all of them are working the way they should. That's one tragedy, I guess. So level 3 charging isn't working. I, I've only used them a couple of times. I've had great luck uh, with Electrify America. They've been, they did really well. Um, the one thing that I will say to this person who was interested in buying a car, I'm not a leasing person. I'm, maybe it's generational. You know, I'm one of those people that says go out and buy a car buy something, lease it. Um, although I will say the average car payment now is over $700 a month. Um, but leasing an electric car might make sense because the technology is still changing pretty quickly. And if you bought something and kept it for three or four years, you may find out the tail value you hope to. Um, because the next newest model all of a sudden goes 100 miles more. Nobody wants the older one. So you may find out really worth what you hoped. Well, it sounds like somebody pulled into the pulled into our station I yes. heard I heard the I heard the gas pump ding, which meant you I worked in a ga- I worked in a gas station once, which which meant when you heard that noise, you put down what you were doing and you went out and you said, "Fill it up," and they would you no, just ten dollars. <laughs> so let's let's see what we have here. Yes, good morning, we welcome to the Car Doctor. Tom of Kingston is on. Tom, well, we we like talking to Tom. Yeah. Tom, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for pulling into our station. Oh, I don't good. Know, yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you heard the Did you hear the old time bell? Yes, brought back yeah. memories. Didn't it? Yeah. That's usually when I was sitting right next to the Coca-Cola machine for 10 cents. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Shows you how old I am. I got a couple questions. For well, you. Uh, well, I, I, not that not that you want to hear my stories, but um, I do. My my class reunion was um last week and um, I didn't go because first off I don't think I'd really know anybody was there and I went to I went to a large high school big graduating class and um but there was a little meet and greet the night before so my wife has a friend that she went to school with and her and her boyfriend said oh you know we'd like to go to this maybe we'll just you know we'll kind of we'll kind of hang out at the restaurant wait for the meet and greet area to kind of get together and then we'll see if we recognize anybody and i said oh that sounds like a be and um between the, the 40 or 50 people that showed up at the meet and greet and the pictures i saw of the um the reunion the next day i'm like who are all Yes, so true. And I guess there, so I guess it is that uh, ten cent Coke and the uh, gas station bell. I think are age appropriate. And at that time, the owner of the gas station that I was working for at that time, I couldn't understand the billing method he had. When a '63 Chevy came in and needed a grease job, there was approximately like twelve fittings. Yep. 
everything from the knuckle that's on the drive shaft even. And um, it was $2 to grease all those fittings. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's great. So Cadillac came in. There's only four fittings, and that was $5. Ah. And I says to the owner of the gas station, why do we charge $5 for four fittings where on a Chevy it was 12 fittings, and we charge $2? He says the main reason why is because it's a Cadillac. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> There, there is a lot to be said for that. I remember years and years ago, I was a kid, and, I, and there was a, there was a, uh, uh, you know, guy selling Christmas trees by the side of the road, and oh. he would, he would base the price of the tree on what you drove in. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So you drove in in a Cadillac. You were paying more money for a tree than you drove yeah. in in a yeah. drove in a Chevy Nova. Oh, yeah. I went to my wife's twenty fifth uh, class reunion a thousand years ago, and we w- it was at the teachers' hall in Dorchester. Okay. Yep. So they have, like, different rooms. So we peeked in one room. We said, no, nah, it can't be that. There must be somebody's 50th. And went further down, further down, couldn't find us. So we asked one of the people working there, so said, where's the uh, class reunion for 25 years? And he said, oh, the first one when we first walked in. Like you said, it was mm. all old people there. The guys were bald, and, you know, belly sticking out to here. Yep. And, and things like that we went in there. Couldn't believe it that that's all these people so much older than we were. Yeah, no, my and the sad part is my neighbor just went to went to his as well, and he went to a smaller high school out in, towards the Worcester area, and he said uh, something like twenty percent or four percent or something of his high school passed away. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that was uh, I think that was his fiftieth. So he said, yeah. He said they had a whole little, you know kind of a little graveyard set up of, you know, these are the people that aren't with us. So, yeah, I mean, time time does go by. And, you know, I guess uh, my my neighbor my neighbor uh, is uh, is young. Her mother was here for a while. And she said, you know, I, I work uh, in industry where we didn't always make it. And she said, you know, it's it's so important for, I tell my daughter, travel now while she's young because when you get older, your health might not be that good and you might not do the things you always wanted to do. I'm a big believer in that. I tell yeah. people, you know, you got your family now. You still have some of the kids at home. If you want to go on a cruise, do it now. When you get older, you may not be able to do it. Now is the time to do it. Even if you have to take a couple of dollars out of your retirement, if you're lucky to have one, yep. take a couple of dollars out and use it. You know, you enjoy it now because when you get older, you may not have that luxury of being able to do it. Well, where where was this advice? Where were, why weren't you giving me this advice 25 years? That's what I want. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah. mom and dad never said that. Yeah, no, they said save all, save all your money. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. our vacations back then was going down to uh, down to Plymouth. I was, I was gonna I was gonna say Nantasket Beach, but oh yeah. yeah. Well, living in Dorchester, we rode our bike down to Nantasket <laughs> Beach. I couldn't believe it. There you go. Hey, so now. so so we've gone we've gone we've done a little history. Oh, I think I think we've depressed a few people, maybe somewhere along the way. <laughs> uh, what can we what can we talk about this morning? That was uh, good advice in talking about the electric car because that's the question I want to ask about the electric car because I am I have no information. I'm like Schultz. I know nothing yeah. when it comes to the electric car. And leasing it is probably a good idea because I heard that the batteries to replace, if you have to replace them, is like a million dollars. Well, it it depends. Um, you know, there was there was something on the internet that went around some I don't know a year ago. I saw and popped, that. Yeah. Popped back up with the with the Chevy with the twenty thousand dollar battery. That was a little bit of nonsense too, because it, it, although it was true, the battery wasn't available because they came up with a new one that actually had a little bit more power to it 
and it was about half the price. But the battery's still expensive. There's no, there's no question about it. And the other part of it is, you know, a lot of people say, well, you buy an electric car, you never have to do any maintenance. Well, in fact, you do still have to do maintenance to an electric car. In fact, if you want to, um, if you want to maintain the warranty, um, there's some things you have to do. And uh, you know, tires on electric cars wear out quicker than they do on regular cars because it's the weight of the car and the instant torque when you step on the accelerator take off so it tends to burn up your tires a little so mm -hmm. you have to rotate the tires a little more often you know people are saying they're getting 20 and 30,000 miles out of a set of tires rather than 40 50 or 60,000 okay. none of these none of these cars have spare tires so and i never thought of this before um but a lot of these cars without spare tires have these mobility kits. So basically an, an air compressor with a can of goop that sprays into the tire. Well, yeah. the, the can of goop has an expiration date. So, um, so, you know, after a while it stops being sticky. So you have to check that, you know, every couple of years and go, oh, yeah, i got to buy a new can of this stuff. Um, the, um, you know, they still have ball joints that wear out, steering gear that wears out. The air conditioner is different, but it's still you know, still can have some problems. Every electric car has a 12-volt battery. Um, so the 12-volt battery runs all the extras, the you know, door locks and all that. So you mm. need to have the, you still need to check the battery. Um, brakes last a really long time because people, you know, you take your foot off the accelerator and the car slows down. But they still want you to change the brake fluid in the car every 8,000. There's, oh, no okay. there's no air filter, but there's a cabin air filter. And they're saying do that every you know, year, you know, two years or something. The wiper blades still wear out. Um, there's also in some electric cars, uh, like the Ford Mustang Mach-E, uh, when the mileage gets high, when it gets up to you know, 10 years old, you replace, there's transmission fluid and there's coolant for the electric drive. So you end up having to do that. And I think, I think the coolant service on a Mach-E is five or six dollars. Oh. So, so you're still, I mean, it's going to, you know, 10 years from now, but the idea that you're going to, you know, that some people think, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, buy this electric car and I'm never going to have to go to the repair shop. No, there's a whole list of stuff they tell you to come back every, you know, 8,000 miles to mean the warranty. So there's still stuff you have to do and it's still going to cost you a little bit of money doing it. Well, here's what I heard. This is coming to the question I wanted to ask originally. I heard it's going to be a bad winter up here in Massachusetts. And it's going to be a lot of snow and all this good stuff, and that's why you're going to be sorry you're still up here, unless you're going to go back down south. I, well, I hope I hope I, I hope I plan to go back down south. You know, there's <laughs> there's, a, there's another like there's another like five weeks of hurricane season, so we'll we'll wait okay. and see whether the tin shack's still there. So yeah. So if you have an electric car and you get stuck on the expressway in a snowstorm like the blizzard of '78, does an electric car have a heater? Yep. Yeah. In fact, if you started the day in an electric car with a relatively full charge. Say, you know, the night before you, um, you know, you charge up the car and, you know, it's got a 240-mile range. It is. Okay. And you, and you were stuck on 95 for three days. Sure. You could probably maintain the heat in the car between the seat heaters and the heater in the car for anywhere between three to five days. Um, is there so gauges to show where you're at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I just read somebody, somebody from... Uh, Minnesota or someplace where it gets a bit cold. Okay. Um, they went out and they they took a, a electric car and basically what they did is they sat outside in eight degree weather and they just wanted to see how warm they could stay and um, they stayed in the car for I think they said they stayed in the car for six hours and they maintained the temperature 
to be reasonably comfortable, you know, 50, 60% mm -hmm. of the car. And they said at the end of 36 hours, they still had 50% battery. Wow. Yeah. Is there a charger on the um, electric car? So if you're driving, does it recharge the battery? It, it, recha it, recha it recha like a hybrid, it recharges a little bit when you take your foot off the accelerator. Um, when the sort of electric brakes kick in, that's actually turning a generator sort of thing that charges the battery back up a little bit, but not a lot. You okay. know, there's some, there's some, you know, there's some, you know, pictures you see on the internet every once in a while. You know, somebody opens the trunk of their Tesla and there's a Honda portable generator in their trunk, and they're like, "Oh, I keep this in case of emergency." The problem is that Honda generator would probably take three days to charge. You know, ten miles into that, you know, electric vehicle battery. But, um, but you know, you can't. You know, you can. But the idea that you know, chances are if you were in, you know, a typical, you know, V6 gasoline car and you yeah. went out and, you know, chances are you didn't fill the tank the night before, you would have probably run out of gas at some point, sure. you know, sitting and sitting out on the highway for two days. So is it still uh, more expensive to run an electric car um, rather than gasoline? You know, it's the price of gas versus the cost of charging your vehicle at home. It, if you looked at strictly the cost of fuel. If you looked at, okay, I'm going to buy this electric car and I'm going to charge up. And here in Massachusetts, we pay some, some 32 cents per kilowatt hour. Okay. Um, so we're the third highest electric rate. In the, um, the Even at that, with gasoline at 3.50 a gallon now, it's still cheaper to run an electric car and charge at home than it is to do the equivalent gasoline car. Um, even charging at a public charging station, uh, the last one I used, it cost me... Ten dollars in electricity at the charging station. You know, okay. charge, my, charge yeah. my credit card. Ten dollars, yeah. and I got about two hundred miles of range. So if I had a car that got thirty miles per gallon, I would You're use say, I would Not use bad. yeah, I would use six gallons of gas. And even if gas was three dollars a gallon, it cost me eighteen dollars. So sure. it still is cheaper. The problem is, it costs you more for the car. So for the first five years of ownership, you know, say you're going to go out and you're going to buy a um, Hyundai electric versus a Hyundai gasoline car, only because mm -hmm. they make they both make the same they they make one of each. The cost for ownership for that first five years is almost identical because the electric car costs that much more to buy to start off with. Now, if you're lucky enough, if you can take the $7,500, you know, tax credit and all that sort of stuff, that helps. But if you're going to go out, if you're just looking at cost of the vehicle versus cost of the vehicle, um, that first five years cost is almost identical because you're going to be paying about the same cost per mile when you factor in. Any difference in insurance? Yes. Um, Cheaper for a car with electric uh, uh, or gas? Well, I think the electric ones that have similar gasoline ones are about the same, but people who bought Teslas were sort of surprised how expensive. Got to do your homework, huh? Got to do your homework, absolutely. And and for for most people, I think a hybrid might be the best choice and maybe even a plug-in hybrid, something that gets good gas mileage, and then, you know, they don't have to rely strictly on electricity. Um mm -hmm. So, but it depends on your life. I think for if, for most people that have a two-car household, if one of their cars was electric, they'd probably be using that one 90% of the time. And the time they decided to go to, you know, you know, Colorado, you know, you know, unless they really planned out their route. And Tesla so far is the best because you know Tesla has more charging stations than anybody else. And you know, you can kind of plan your trip. I was talking to uh, my neighbor; his kid was up visiting. He 
went to, when he when his plane landed he he's a Hertz renter you know it was like take any car from this line he took a he took a Tesla and but he was headed up to Maine but he kind of plotted out where the charging stations were going to be so you know you drive up you drive a couple hundred miles you charge up for 20 minutes get something to eat are the another. charging stations all universal uh, no oh. no Tes- Tesla uses their own they have their own style. And anyone with a Tesla can pretty much charge at any other one because there's these adapters. But just recently, Tesla has said they're going to open up their charging station to non-Tesla vehicles. And because of that, a lot of the vehicle manufacturers are going to Tesla-style plug adapters. So uh, so at some point, there'll be uh, no more, you know, you know, VHS versus beta plugs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Which, is, which is sort of what which is sort of what it is right now but most of them you know tesla can charge anywhere uh but a regular you know if you went out and bought a mustang mark e or a volkswagen id4 if you pulled into a tesla charging station you're 90 percent of them you're not going to be able to charge yet eventually that's going to change eventually they're going to have you're going to be able to get an adapter and you're going to plug it into the the tesla hose if you will and then plug that into your car and you'll be able mm-hmm. to charge up but they're not quite they're working on it. They're not quite there. Hey, I want to add to the list of things you should have in your vehicle uh, in case you get stuck in a car with the bad weather. Supposedly, we're going to get this winter, yep. besides having kitty litter and a shovel and all that good yep. stuff. Uh, Hershey candy bar and a juice box. Put in your glove compartment so you have it. You good never idea. know. You good, good, good idea. And for, you know, for people that are diabetics and stuff, too. You know, makes makes a ton of sense, and and you know what, uh, Hershey candy bar always makes. You got that put a smile oh. on anybody's face, especially yeah, that's if the right. kids are crying. Uh, you know. All right. Hey, listen, all right. Have thanks. a good week. You as well. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. I think we need to take another break before our hour is just about up. On Friday, October 20th, join South Shore Health at their annual Moonlight and Miracles Gala. Featuring a seated dinner, live auction with MC Billy Costa, and music by local band Hot Mess. This year's event at the Weymouth Club will support the growing need for emergency care in our community. In life or death scenarios, close-to-home emergency care is critical. Support these valuable services and purchase your tickets for the Moonlight and Miracles Gala right now at SouthShoreHealth.com. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. We have like five minutes left. All right. So that voice in the background is George. Um, George, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how come you're filling in? Why are you here? Yes. Well, as aforementioned by you at the beginning of the show, Jesse's doing a camping trip up in New Hampshire, not too far from here. So uh, I'm here filling in. And you might hear me on Tuesdays when I'm doing board operating for Talk Real Estate and for the Gary Levitt show. That's six to eight for both shows. And I will fill in for Tim and for Larry during the rest of the week on their respective shows. Oh, good. Okay. And tell us a little bit of background about you. You've been, you've done photography in the past. You, you have uh, you have a pretty active uh, media page as well, right? <laughs> That's very kind of you to say, John. Uh, not like I'm active on social media, but I'll post and 
try to like keep up to date here and there, but not like every single day. But yeah, I do a lot of freelance multimedia work and to keep it on point with your show, I've done in the past car photography for dealerships a couple of years ago, and that was a cool gig. I hope I can go back into doing that again. It was a lot of dealership photography for pre-owned cars and used cars. We were doing sequences for exterior and interior photos or parts of the car. You can see those on their websites to get the idea of it. And I think, you know, not to slight any dealers here, but sometimes I see some of the photos they take and, you know, you see the you know, they're just taking them with an iPhone and you see their reflection in the background. And mm. apparently they never learn, like, you know, if you're going to take a photo outside, you know, have the sun to your back. So, you know, you're not you, you're not in this weird shadowy area. But there is there is a, a real knack to it. I, I was talking to a professional photographer one day and he said to me, you know, one of the things you should always do when you take a picture of the car is um, don't have the wheel straight ahead. You know, turn the wheel slightly on side because it gives the car a, a little bit different look. And this guy's wife, uh, you know, in her younger days was a model. And he said, why do you think, you know, if you really look, you see models kind of standing on tiptoes because it gives them a different look than, you know, standing with the feet flat. So I said, so they're turning the wheel similar to standing on tiptoes as a model. And uh, and they said, yeah, it kind of works, kind of works the same way. And so there is there is a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, a trick to, taking uh, automotive photography to make it and um, there there is uh, you know somebody who I used to many many years ago and he had this eye for automotive photography you know he would look at just little aspects of the car and make it look so interesting and and that's a re- that's a real skill to be able to do that and unfortunately sometimes some dealers and I guess right now cars are so quickly it's not as critical but the idea that um, make the pictures. Yeah, I can just recall back to when I was doing it that the staging was super important. When we were doing these outside, it had to be at a certain point in the back of the dealership where you got the right sunlight, you got the right shade. And if you're doing them inside the pre-owned cars, some dealerships had what was called a indoor studio with a revolving wall. So you have this Mm. white wall behind the car. If you go to a website soon and you see a pre-owned car, just check the background and you'll know what I mean. Yeah. No, it it is it it really is, and you can you can make you know the best car look even better sometimes with the photography. Well, George, I want to thank you for filling in. Feel free to feel free to come back at any time. For sure, it's fun. All right, hey, that music means we need to go. We're just about out of time. I want to thank our guest Lockley Brown from uh, Club Athena for joining us today. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down and move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.